right. Second John, second John. Let's pray and dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are a great and an awesome God. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the word that is living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, it may just divide between bone and marrow and just open our eyes and our hearts to you. We pray for anybody who's new here today, again, that they would feel welcomed and loved. If anybody here is not saved, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So if you have your outline, grab it. I should have got one on the way in. If not, raise your hand. We can get one in your hands. It's easier if you have the outline to follow along. Uh, by the way, I think we're about three weeks away from being in the book of Revelation, so I want to encourage you. Uh, we're going to be there very soon. It will be a blessing to go through that in such a time as this. So I titled the message, if you were here last week, we looked at the first six verses of 2 John, and I titled the message, Standing for the Truth in Love, Obeying God's Commands to Love Without Compromising the Truth. So it's truth in love. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. That's why we must speak the truth in love. And there's a trend in the church today to dial down the message so we don't offend people. And the, tri- and the reality is if we're not being convicted, uh, we're, not, we're not reading our Bibles. Amen? So conviction is a good thing and it's something we need. If you were not here last week, up at the top, we looked at practicing the truth. So we need to put it, in, put it into action. And last week we looked at to walk in obedience to God's command by practicing the truth. The truth and love abides in every believer. So as believers, we don't just know the truth, but the truth lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, the Spirit went from being with you to in you. And He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. In Ephesians, it's spoken of, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the down payment on heaven. And so we know that we're going to heaven. So we don't just know about the truth, but the truth lives in us. Then we saw to walk in the truth. Again, if there's, if there's no truth, there is no love. You, if you don't tell people the truth, you don't love them. And we live in a time right now where if you tell people the truth, they, if you don't agree with their lifestyle, they believe you don't love them. But the truth is that because we love them, we need to tell them the truth. Amen? We need to hear the truth. We don't want to water down the truth, again, because we're not doing anybody any favors. You know, here's, here's what we need to think about with the gospel. Let me give you a quick illustration. There is a building that is on fire, and every unbeliever is inside of that building, and we need to get them out and get them to Jesus for the building collapses on them. Amen? Every unbeliever, every believer this side of heaven should be burned for every unbeliever this side of hell. And the reality is we're the ones who God has chosen to use. He could have opened up the sky and spoke the gospel from the heavens, but he chose instead to use us. And the sad part is that all of us have times when we are so caught up in the things of the world that we're walking by divine appointments left and right, and we're not sharing the only thing that matters because the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is what? It's people. And people need Jesus. Amen? And so we need to, again, walk in the truth, but we also need to walk in love. Because even if you speak the truth, if there's no love in it, it's hard for people to receive it. We don't want to yell and scream and rant and rave. We don't want to be self-righteous. Again, you hear me say it all the time. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. There's nothing, but the only good in us is Jesus. And apart from, apart from the Lord, 
Everybody, everybody that we look at, whatever life they're living, that's us apart from the Lord. So it's God's grace that has transformed us. And we don't want to keep it to ourselves. The most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. So we saw the practice of truth last week. The truth and love abides in us, to walk in the truth, to walk in love. And I pray, if you're new here today, that you feel welcomed and loved. We have a lot of our folks away for Thanksgiving. We have our college group is up at a retreat. We've got a lot of people that are out of town right now. But you know what? I, I pray that you feel welcomed and loved. And we, if you're, this is your home church and you see somebody new, go love on them in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So not only practice the truth, but you know what? I, there's a typo. It should say protect the truth, where it says practice the truth on part two. It's what happens. More proof that your pastor is extremely fallible. So practice the truth. You want to etch that out, but protect the truth. So we're to protect the truth. So we, we need to practice it and live it. And then we need to stand up for it. You know, whenever we see an epistle, and this isn't really an epistle so much, but Paul, Paul, when Paul would write an epistle, he had a pattern. This is what we believe and here's how we behave. And to some degree, that's what's happening here. This is what we know. We need to practice the truth but then we also need to protect it. We need to make a stand for the truth, again, when nobody else will. So here are the three points we'll look at this morning. First of all, we want to practice the truth against the deception of false teachers. If you haven't been here for, the God, for 1 John and 2 John, quickly we know that Paul writes this letter to the early church. I'm Paul. John writes this letter to the early church. And as he is writing this letter, he is writing it to those who are being both persecuted from the outside and having deception come from the inside. Being persecuted for being Christians, many of them have on the run for their lives. And then others, there's false teachers that have crept into the church, um, mainly the Gnostics who taught that Jesus wasn't both fully man and fully God, that he only came in his spirit. And they taught that your flesh is wicked and your spirit is good. So if you give the spirit to the Lord, you can live like the devil. And they said that we have a new answer and a new message. And only if you come to us, will you hear it? And will you really experience all God has for you? And that's what every false teacher does. They want to add to the word of God or take away from it. And we don't want to add to it or take away from it. Amen. And so we need to protect the truth against false teachers. And you know what? False teachers are on a rampage right now because there's this thing called social media. You ever heard of it? And you can go on social media and you have all these people deconstructing their faith and people challenging the word of God and make mocking the truth of God's word. And guys, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to study to show ourselves approved, workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen? We need, and see, that's what John's doing here. Can you imagine being John? John was the, the apostle that Jesus loved. He was the one whose head was on the chest of our Savior at the Last Supper. He was the last one at the cross when everybody else ran away. He was the one who the Lord said, John, behold your mother to take care of his earthly mother, Mary. John didn't start off that way. In the beginning, he was one of the sons of thunder with his brother James. But now at the end of his life, he's just blown away by the fact that the Lord even loves him. And as he's writing this letter... And as he writes Revelation, he's been boiled in oil and wouldn't die. By this point, all the other apostles have been martyred, more than likely. And John's the last one remaining. When he hears about the false teachers, he writes these letters. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one who writes them through him. But you can imagine if you heard somebody mocking the very Savior that you knew. 
People that never met Jesus claiming that he said things that he didn't say. John walked with him for three years. He knew the Lord intimately. And I want to tell you something. Nothing offends me more than when somebody says something wrong or hateful about the, the God who sent his son to suffer and die on the cross of Calvary that I might have eternal life. And guys, you know what? We need to be offended by it. We need to protect the word of God. And we need to stand up for it and be unashamed of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And there's an exhortation here. You need to protect this word of God. Amen? World's coming out and attacking it. And everybody that attacks it, I love when they attack it, they'll say to me, well, I hear you're a pastor. You know the word of God. It was written by King James. You're an idiot. No one was it. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. People make statements that somebody else told them, and it's just not true. Amen? King James went in there and crossed the boat. It has nothing to do with it. You don't know what you're talking about. They'll mock the Bible. Jesus never existed. I said, that's just comical. Every historian will tell you different. Amen? There are authorities on a book they've never read trying to convince the people that read it every day that they're right. And guys, we have the truth. We have the hope that lies within us. We need to stand up and protect it again. Amen? Amen. Against the false teachers, the deception of the false teachers. By the way, if you can get easily blown off path, it tells me you're not spending enough time in the Word. Amen? Amen? You know why you get confused? Because you don't read the truth enough. You know why you'll start to believe a lie? Because you're not opening the Bible and reading it and letting the Holy Spirit minister to you. So it's not loving, unloving to confront and reveal the lies and deceptions of false teachers. Uh, the last time I taught this chapter, this portion of the Bible, I actually brought a video in and I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. But it was three guys on a panel with Larry King. It was a bishop in the Catholic Church it was Joel Osteen, and then it was John MacArthur. And they said to the bishop, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And he said, well, um, you know, uh, I, you know, I, well, I, let me ask you, is Jesus the only way to heaven? What's the yes. answer? It, was that difficult? He hemmed and hawed and said, well, you know, uh, you know, maybe we can, there's things we can learn from the Muslims and maybe the Hindus have some things they can teach us. And, and my head's about to explode watching this. But I see John MacArthur on the panel. I'm like, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> then they get to Joel Osteen. It's above my pay grade. You know, Jesus is the way for me. No, no, no. Jesus is the way for everybody. Amen. And then John MacArthur, as, as you would know, just shot straight. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to Father but by him. Everything else is false gods. It's all doctrine of the devil. And only, you're only going to go to heaven if you give your life to Jesus. And if you don't, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And you know what? The other two guys were just fidgeting. And the reality is that, guys, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And don't him and haw about it. And don't apologize for the greatest act of love in all of human history. Amen? Amen. And it's not unloving to, to tell people the truth. It's unloving not to tell them. I'm a little fired up, okay? Right. Number two. Protect the truth against deception of false teachers, then by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Guys, we don't want to walk in front of the Lord. We don't want to walk behind the Lord. We want to walk with the Lord. Amen? We don't want to be behind where he wants us to be. We don't want to be in front of where he wants us to be. We want to be abiding in him.
So I got three points here. Don't fall behind under that point. Don't go ahead. And don't help those who preach false doctrine. Don't fall back spiritually by listening to the lies of false teachers. You know, it's our turn. Do you, do you understand that? It's our turn. God put those words on my, on my heart about 10 years ago. I was speaking at a pastor's conference. And I got up and I just said, guys, it's our turn. The apostles had their turn and they all died standing for the truth. Every generation that's come after it, it was their turn to represent Jesus Christ. It's our turn. And I don't want to blow our turn. Can I get an amen to that? I want to be faithful. It's been put into our hands. We are responsible to share the hope that lies within us. When you go to work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just entered the building and you are salt and light of that place. When you go home to your neighborhood today, you're salt and light of your neighborhood. I want to encourage you to do something I've done for years. Walk around your neighborhood, stop at every mailbox and pray for the people that live in that house and pray for a divine appointment to talk to them and see what God will do because God will answer that prayer. Amen? Do the same thing at work. Get the list of your coworkers. Start praying for them by name. God gave me a divine appointment this week. I was in Las Vegas. You mostly have a full-time job. I was in Las Vegas for a conference. They were asking a question. If you're here on Thursday, I'll hear it again. But they were asking a question. The VP of our sales company was up there. It was room filled with people. He said, give me th- give, write down three words of things you don't want to ever uh, have identify you again. You don't want to lose from your vocabulary. People said, don't complain. Don't make excuses. I want to lose the word can't, right? Then he said, put down three phrases or three words that you want to have focus, on your, focus for your life going forward. And so people were raising their hands, and I raised my hand. And he stopped and he said, Dave. And I said, I said, Jim, you probably don't know this, but in the last little over a year, my mom went to heaven, my brother went to heaven, and my son went to heaven. And I said, it's been a very difficult year, but the two things that God has put on my heart above all else, is a faith that hasn't been tested, is a faith that cannot be trusted, and that no suffering is wasted. And I just want you to know that the trials in this life are used by God to mold us more into the image of our Savior, and that's why he created us. And I said, the Bible also teaches that, again, that we grieve, but not as those without hope. And I just want you to know that my focus is on eternity, and my focus is on seeing my customers and my coworkers get saved. I want to see you all go to heaven with me. My, all three of those family members of mine are safely in heaven. That's where home is. And I'm going to do my job as unto the Lord like I already have. I want to glorify and honor his name. And because I know Jesus Christ, because God sent his son to die, I know that I'm going to see my son again. That's what happens when you, when you point at a pastor. At a... And what was interesting was he goes, well, I had about 10 more minutes of stuff worth to say. I think we'll just leave it right there. And what happened was over the next two days at the conference, more and more people came up and said, hey, how can you still have hope? I don't know how to do that. You know, how can I? Guys, just look for opportunities and divine appointments. Amen. Because we, we are called to be salt and light. We're here for such a time as this. So don't fall behind where the Lord wants you. Be exactly where he wants you to be. And don't go ahead of him. Don't add to the word of God. Don't, add, don't speak things that aren't in the word of God. Amen? It says in Galatians 1.8, But even if we are an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel to you, then that which we have preached to you, let him be what? Who? who? I think that verse was written if, for a lot of people, but... We could put Joseph Smith 1-1 on the side of this, because he said what? An angel appeared to him. Is that not what he said? The angel Moroni, the only Italian angel in the Bible, right? 
The angel Moroni showed up to him and gave him these special glasses and this thing to look into, and he wrote the Book of Mormon from it, and of course he lost the golden plates, and he couldn't have the golden glasses, and I don't know if you knew this, before he wrote the Book of Mormon, he wrote other fairy tales before he wrote that one. And the reality is, there's millions of people going to hell without Jesus because they're buying the lie. If they just read Galatians 1.8, they would know he was a false prophet from the jump. It's in the Bible. If someone comes and says an angel gave you another gospel, it's a false gospel. Amen? That's what the, the Bible's not that hard to figure out if we'll just open it and read it. And we'll believe it. Amen? But don't get ahead of the Lord. We want to we walk in step with him. I don't want to be out in front of him. I don't want to be, you know, on my own path going my own way. And I don't want to be walking behind him where he's too far out in front of me. I want to abide in him, walking locked in arms with our Savior. And then point number three, I'm, I'm, going, to have, I'm going to preach this whole message before we get to it. Amen? <laughs> I always tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I tell you, and I'll tell you what I told you, right? So see here, it says, don't help those who preach false doctrine. Now, I have a good friend of mine who's a pastor. And he and I disagree on this, but when Mormons come to his house, he invites them in the house, he does their laundry, he buys them lunch, and he's trying to reach them with the gospel, and I love his perspective. I don't let him in my house. I will meet him at the door, and I will talk to them as long as they want to talk, because we have the truth and they need it. Can I get an amen to that? But the last thing I want to do is invite him in my house so that everybody else thinks that I agree with what they're doing. Amen? Because it's a doctrine of the devil. It is a false gospel. Somebody new here is going, what in the world is going on here? Who invited me to this? I had no idea. But it's a doctrine of the devil because what, you know, the angel, here's what the Satan does. He doesn't show up at your house with horns growing out of his head and a pitchfork in his hand and say, follow me to hell. He doesn't do that because most people wouldn't go for it. Can I get an amen to that? You know what he does? He appears as an angel of light. And what they typically do is they will take a portion of the gospel but then they will add to it or take away from it where it renders it not to be the gospel anymore. They will use the same terms. They will talk about Jesus Christ and our heavenly father. They'll talk about all those things, but they are preaching a false gospel. We do not want to prop up anybody preaching a false gospel. Amen? God bless this guy. I want to reach out to him. There was a Calvary Chapel pastor, and I saw this online, and he gets up at this conference, and this woman says, there's a pastor. He wants to say something. And he gets up, and he says, hey, Calvary Chapel people. It was a, it was a thousand people at this conference. It was a tent meeting, just like this, right? He said, here's what we need to do. We need to be praying. And the, the woman that's the uh, prophetic person over there is going, amen. We need to be praying. Here's what we need to pray for. We need to pray that God will protect everybody that comes into this tent from this false prophet right here. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, amen? What? And she went from amen, amen to, well, you know, and he just, now again, we want to see her saved, but right now we need to protect all these other people from her, amen? Then finally, be, by openly communicating with those we love. There's a deep joy in fellowship with other believers. We all need it. Amen. And that one, that's one of the things that COVID did is it took away a lot of fellowship from a lot of people. By the way, if you're watching on live stream, we've been open for, I don't know, three years. So feel free to come on back. We love you and we miss you. If you're, if you're far away, find a church local to where you are. Amen. All right. Let's begin there looking at protecting the truth. 
against the deception of false teachers. He says, for many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and on what? Antichrist. So he's talking again, understand the context, the Gnostics taught that Jesus did not come in the flesh. He's writing this letter because many of the Gnostics were drawing believers away to this new gospel, to this new understanding that they only had. So John shifts gears from talking about practicing the truth to protecting it from encouraging truth to be spoken in love to opposing error. And as we will see, it is not unloving to confront and reveal the lies and deception of false teachers. Notice he tells them what they do, but then he says, this is a deceiver and antichrist. This is what they're doing, and they are deceivers and a spirit of antichrist. Again, as truth and love go hand in hand, a true heart of love will expose the lies of those who are attempting to lead others away from the truth. Again, this is rescuing the people from the burning building. The building's on fire, and there's false prophets saying, oh, this is perfect. This is where you need to be. And when you tell somebody, hey, the building's on fire, and the only way out is that door right there, you'll have some will say, well, that's narrow for me. I don't like that there's only one door, and I think I'll just stay here till I find another door. And the reality is that the end result will be that they will spend eternity separated from Almighty God. And you know what? We should never rejoice in anyone going to hell. It should break our hearts. Amen? We should have a burden for everyone who does not know the Lord. So as Christians, and especially those who are called by God to serve as leaders in the church, we are called to not only believe the truth and walk in it, but also protect and defend the truth from the attacks of the enemy. Satan is, above all else, a liar. Amen? The Bible says he is the father of lies. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your children. He hates this country. He hates us, and he wants us dead. I don't hate anybody, but I hate him. Can I get an amen to that? It's okay to hate the devil. Now, so as believers, what should we do? We do not want to pretend like demonic things are okay. We don't want to prop up things that are a lie and act like they're the truth when the Word of God says that they are not. Satan's tactics have not changed in 6,000 years. The first temptation in the Bible, who did Satan tempt? Who was the first person tempted? Who was it? Eve. And what did he say to her? Did God really say? God didn't say that. Oh, well, he said, yeah, we could have everything. We just can't touch that one tree over there. And then what does he say? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, look, he knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. See, Satan's lies is always challenge the word of God and they get people to think that they can be God. And that's exactly what is happening here. The Mormon church teaches, if you become a good Mormon, you get to be God of your own planet. And the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet who became God of this planet. And I know that's not true because if there was a man that was a God of this planet, it would, well, it's pretty bad, but it would be a lot worse. And the point is that what the cults will do, they make man more and God less. And that's exactly what the Gnostics were doing 
You can live like the devil. Jesus isn't, was not fully man. He was only came in a spirit. And so what the enemy will do is he will attack the word of God to get you to doubt the word of God. There's a, one of the most demonic things on the planet right now is these people that say, I was a Christian, now I'm deconstructing my faith. It's all over the internet. I was a pastor for 20 years and now I finally escaped that. Wow, bro. You haven't escaped anything. And let me just say this. We can get into once saved, always saved or not. I don't believe that brother was ever saved because anybody that truly knows the Lord is never walking away from him. Can I get an amen to that? There's nothing you can do to me to get me to walk away from the Lord. Nothing. I just hold tighter to him, if anything. Amen? So he wants you to question and bring doubt and confusion concerning the truth and the accuracy of the word of God. He knows that, again, if he can get you to question and start to doubt, that he can draw you away. And look, if Satan can't get you to go to hell with him, the very least what he'll want to do is distract you to the point where you have no impact on eternity. And better yet, if he can't get you to go to hell with him, he'll want you to, get, to be disqualified from being used by the Lord because you start buying into the lies and the temptation that he throws your way. Here's the good news. Satan is a defeated foe. I've read in the end of the book, God wins. Amen? And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So yes, Satan is real. Yes, he has, uh, you know, there's a spiritual battle that goes on all around us, but we can rest in the fact that we serve an all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God, and Satan can't do anything to us without God's permission. Did you know that? Amen? Now, when you're tempted, you can grow by resisting it, or you can fall and that, that will that, you know, bring heavy consequences. Satan will tempt you with what you're tempted by, and if you buy into it, it can destroy you. But you know what? When we resist the devil, what does he do? He flees from us. So in some cases, he rejects the word of God completely, but most often he will simply add to it or take away enough from it so that it becomes a lie while still appearing to those who lack real scriptural grounding and discernment to be the truth. One of the guys that came out and talked to me at the conference, we were, um, I don't gamble, I don't, I, I, that's God's money, I just don't do that. But we had to walk, you have to walk through the casino to go everywhere, duh. <laughs> I just said to the guys, uh, I've never been here before, but I think I know who's winning. All you got to do is look at the buildings, amen? It's a $6 billion building, I wonder where that came from. I'm going to win slot machine. Yeah, I'll go I'll see how that works out. So we're walking through and this guy comes up behind me and he goes, man, I'm so glad that you were so bold about the Lord in there, bro. That really blessed me. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. And we started talking. Then he said this, well, heavenly father is really happy with you. So already I know. What do I know? It's a Mormon. They call him heavenly. Do we have a heavenly father? Of course we do. But we don't call him heavenly father. Typically we could, it'd be all right. But to them, he's like their father, like, you know, like he, he was a man on another planet, whatever. And so I just said to him, I go, so where do you fellowship? He goes, well, I'm LDS. I said, oh, okay. Okay. Now, sometimes you just have to use discernment. He's telling me how blessed he was by me talking about the Lord. And I said, bro, I'm not so sure that we know the same Jesus. Well, yeah, we believe in Jesus. We've got Jesus in our name. I said, I said I'll tell you what. I said, yeah, Okay. So did Jesus Christ superstar. What does that mean? Can I get him into that? But what, but what I said to him was like, I just gave him one of my cards. And I said, look, I want to tell you, do this, do this. You can give me your website and I'll go watch any message you want. And I said, here's my card. 
go to our website and watch any message you want. And then let's talk next week. He said, okay, I'll do it. I said, all right. He goes, you know, our, our LDS church in Wyoming shut down. And so I was actually going to a Christian church for a while. I said, oh, praise the Lord. How'd that go? He said, you know, it was interesting. I said, well, great. That means you're open to that. He goes, yeah, I think we're open. So just pray for him. Amen. His name's Ryan. Pray for Ryan. But here's the point. Again, that he, this poor guy believes a lie. Amen. So we need to share the truth. And, you know, a lot of times I'll get more aggressive than that, but I just felt like, you know what? Hey, go online and watch something. Let's, let's open a discussion. Amen? We work together. Let's talk together. Satan's lies usually contain enough truth to be seen as believable and legitimate, and millions of cultists promote, preach, and follow such half-truths. And here's what you need to understand. A half-truth is a whole lie. Amen? If you, if you make Jesus less, that's a lie. If he's not the only way, that's a lie. If you think you can get to heaven on your own, that's a lie. If you think you need the church to get to heaven, it's not the church. We are the church. Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. It's not about a religion that you join. It's about a relationship you get involved with. Amen? So either you have a relationship with the Lord or you don't. And so the exhortation there is he's letting them know. Notice he says the word for there at the beginning, giving the reason why he dwelt on truth and love, which manifests itself in keeping God's word. He says, because there's many deceivers. The word deceiver there is a vagabond, a tramp, an imposter, a corrupter, a deceiver. It says they wander, they're wandering, roving, misleading, and leading people into error. These deceivers do more than teach false doctrine. They lead people away from the truth and into not only wrong thinking, but wrong living. The Gnostics were convincing these early Christians that we know the truth and you don't have to worry about sin anymore because you gave your life to the Lord. So now your spirit has been cleansed and your body is, is, is wicked and perverse anyway. So just feed it any way you want. Commit adultery if you want. Do, you know, get drunk if you want. Party if you want. Do whatever you want, whatever hedonistic thing you want to do because your spirit's saved and it doesn't matter. That's what they taught. That's a lie. And see, sadly, people were being drawn away from it. And he says to them, because there's many deceivers. These deceivers, again, do more than teach false doctrine. They draw people away. And what we really believe is reflected in how we behave. See, wrong doctrine leads to wrong living. Wrong doctrine led to the Mormon church saying you can have as many wives as you want. Joseph Smith had over, I think he had 38 wives and he took wives from other people and made them his own. And that's the guy who they want to follow? That's false God doctrine. Amen? Here's a, let me, let's, just, let's, just put the, let's just put all this to bed. Muhammad is dead. Hare Krishna is dead. Charles T. Russell is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Buddha is dead. All the false teachers who've ever come are dead. We can dig up their bones. Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. I've been to his tomb. His bones aren't there. And we serve the creator, all-knowing, almighty God who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? And everybody else is a false god, and we don't need to be politically correct about any of it. Can I get an amen to that? We don't need to do any of that. He's primarily addressing the false teachings of the Gnostics, but there were always deceivers. In Paul's day, there was a group called the Judaizers. You know what they taught? They taught early Christians, well, yeah, okay, giving your life to Jesus, but you got to become a Jew first. That's what they taught. And you got to keep the Old Testament law, and then you need to be circumcised. 
And then once you're a completed Jew, then you can be a Christian. Now that's adding to the gospel. So we don't want to add to it and we don't want to take away from it. Amen? And so again, that's false doctrine. Adding to the work and redemption of the cross of Calvary makes Jesus a liar. What was the last thing he said on the cross? Which means... It is finished. It means paid in full. So when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The price has been paid in full. So when somebody adds to that, they make him a liar. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? Now, good works will be fruit of salvation, but the good works don't save you. It's because you're saved that now your life produces good works. Amen? So we don't want to add to the cross of Calvary. In John's day, they were trying to take over Christianity with this self-proclaimed deeper truth. And so whether it's the Judaizers or the Gnostics or the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses or the New Agers, whoever it is, they're preaching something that is contrary to the truth that will lead people to hell. They're wolves in sheep's clothing who have infiltrated the church in every generation since this time of Paul and John. And Paul said they were savage wolves false apostles, deceitful workers, uh, disguising themselves as the apostles of Christ. Some may say calling someone a wanderer, a tramp, or an imposter isn't very loving. On the contrary, to not do so, to not firmly rebuke the false teachers and strongly warn the early Christians would have been incredibly unloving. Amen? We should be far more concerned with other people's eternity than being popular with them here. Amen? It's not always easy to share your faith, is it? It's not easy. It's hard. And it's hard because, again, the enemy doesn't want us to do it. Eternity hangs in the balance. These lies will lead people to hell in a milquetoast, tolerant, non-confrontational approach to false false doctrine and false teachers isn't loving, it's cowardice. Amen? Amen? You get one amen in the building on that. (laughs) Followers of the true Christ must not remain silent. Notice it says here, they've gone out into the world. Where did many of these false teachers come from? They went out from the church. They came out from the church. There were people that started off going to the truth and then branched off and created something else. I've often told people, take a new believer, hand him a Bible and send him out into the jungle. And you know what you got? The beginning of a cult. Why? Because they don't know the word well enough. They're not grounded enough to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Amen? That's why we need to be grounded in the word. Jude 3, we're going to see the faith which was once delivered to the saints, but they turned from the faith and abandoned the truth of the gospel. In 1 John 2, 19, it says they went out from us, but they were not of us. And so a lot of people, that's why, why do we just spend so much time teaching the Bible here? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by, and that's it. I love, there's other people that have other things, ways they like to do church, and I love these guys and God bless them. But I'm never going to have a political rally here. We're not, we're not going to have, you know, Newt Gingrich teaching on Sunday. We're not doing that. We're not going to have any kind of debate up. We're going to teach God's word every single time we have church because the word of God is what transforms life, nothing else. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Now, again, if you want to do that stuff on another night or you want to go to, to their service, that's fine, but we're not doing that here. 
Because I'm going to be accountable to God one day. And you know what? The word of God is what You know what happened? You know who, people who vote the right way? The ones who know Jesus. Can I get him into that? You vote biblically. We want to see revival. We want to see pornography go down. We want to see you know, human trafficking. Now, again, we can make stands for that. And we should vote biblically. We should absolutely do that. But we need to trans- transform people's lives from the inside out. Notice it says there, who do not confess that Jesus is coming in the flesh. Here's the reference to the Gnostics, but here's what I typically get to when it comes right down to it. They taught Jesus wasn't fully God. He was a phantom who never took on human flesh. And he is one in whom the Spirit came upon at baptism and departed at the cross. So they're teaching a false gospel. And generations since have done the same. And while we can debate occultists for hours, here's how you cut to the chase. You ready? When you get to the front door, instead of spending six hours, you know, two hours talking about all kinds of different doctrines, here's, here's where you cut to the chase. I walk up and I say, look, we can talk about a lot of other things. Here's all I have to ask you. Who's Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who's Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. Okay, I agree with that. What else? Well, he's our savior. I agree with that. What else? Well, you know, and they'll say things that they know we're going to agree with. Oh, let me, I'll say, is he the one and only true and living God? Is he the creator of all things or was he created? You know, and then all of a sudden, well, and uh, you guys believe he's the, you know, the Mormons teach that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Okay. That's Mormon doctrine. By the way, when there's two Mormons there, there's usually one that's really well versed and one that's not. And I go after that guy. Okay. <laughs> I've had them say, Jesus, we don't believe Jesus and Satan are brothers. Do we believe Jesus and Satan are brothers? Yeah, that's what they're teaching you, bro. That's what I'm just telling you. So here's the point. The, the, the point is, when I talk to anybody, who do you say Jesus is? Because ultimately, that's where it all matters. Can I get amen to that? We can debate about other things, but who is Jesus? Is he an angel? Is he an enlightened man? One in whom the Christ spirit temporarily dwelt on? Is he the brother of Lucifer? Is he the son of God, but not God, which some teach? Anything less than Jesus is both God, God the son and the son of God, the one and only true God and creator of all things, the one and only way to salvation, our savior, our Lord, our God, our king, and our redeemer, a truth that must never be watered down or apologized for. Amen? So this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now the word antichrist there can be opposite of Christ, but also can be instead of Christ. So they're putting somebody in the position that belongs only to the Lord. So an antichrist is someone who's in opposition with him, but it also can mean somebody who's trying to take the place of Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is Michael the archangel. The Mormons teach he's the brother of Satan. The New Age movement teaches he's the most elevated of all the gurus. And we can go down the list and they all have a description of who Jesus is, but all their descriptions are false. They're changing who Jesus is. And again, be it the Gnostics, the Judaizers, or the false teachers of today to deny in any way the deity, the humanity, the redemptive work, the virgin. Is a virgin birth necessary for salvation? What's the answer? Absolutely, because you're born of, if you're born of man, if Jesus was born of a man, if his father was an earthly man, he would be born in sin and then he couldn't go to the cross for us. Amen? Is a resurrection necessary? What's the answer? Absolutely, because his Bible says if, if, the, if he is not risen, we're the most pitiable of all people. Paul said that. 
So when people say, I've heard pastors say, well, the resurrection is not that big a deal. My head about explodes. I, I, I have that vein in my top of my head that my wife recognizes. You know, it's like, what happened? <laughs> Gotta be kidding me, right? That's how John must have felt. The crucifixion. Was it, was, is him being crucified important? What's the answer? Without the crucifixion, we're not saved. Amen? Yeah. Greatest act of love in all of human history. His resurrection, his ascension, his intercession. Again, that Jesus alone can save, that Jesus alone is the Lord, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Over 200 Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled them all. That's the God we serve, amen? But if they teach anything contrary to that, it's a doctrine of the devil. It's a, it's a doctrine of the anti-Christ. Well, that was point number one. How are we doing? Okay. <laughs> So protect the truth against deception of false teachers. Remain faithful to the doctrine of Christ. Look at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which you have worked for, that we may receive a full reward. The word to look to yourself means to examine your own walk. So here's something we all should do on a regular basis. How am I doing in my walk with the Lord? Where am I at spiritually? What do you, what do you, what is your, what is the meaning and purpose of your life? You know, I've, I've been selling advertising for the same company for 34 years and I want to do my job as unto the Lord. And I want to honor God in all that I do. I want to be the best worker in the building, but the definition of my life is not selling advertising. Definition of my life is, is not how much I can bench press or how much money is in my 401k. You know, the, the meaning of my life is knowing him and making him known. Amen. That's a definition of what a believer should be. Someone who knows him and makes him known. The sad part is that, I don't know how old the study was, but the study showed that only like 7% of all Christians had ever led anybody to the Lord in their lifetime. Now again, we don't save anybody and we don't convince them with our argument, but we're tools in the hands of the master. And if we make ourselves available, God will use us to lead people to the Lord. Amen? Not because we're good, because he's good in spite of who we are, not because of who we are. But see, we need to take heed to ourselves. We need to beware. We need to watch out. We, don't, we need to say, where am I with the Lord right now? How is my walk with the Lord? Am I being a man of God? Am I being a woman of God? Am I living for him? You know, holiness for me, grace for everyone else is something God put in my heart a few years ago. I want to I walk in the center of God's will in my own life, and I want a life that is examined by the Holy Spirit every minute of the day. And I want to be convicted when I get outside of his will. But when I look at other people, I want to show them grace. When most people have this grace for me and holiness for everyone else, which means, hey, bro, you know, I'm trying, show me grace. But then everyone else pointing at their sin. And so the point is, he's saying, look, watch out. Check yourself. Where are you? Are you walking with the Lord? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Are you walking intimate fellowship? How's your prayer life? How's your time in the word? Are you sharing your faith? Are you using the gifts God's given you? We as a church corporately, but also as individuals, must be on guard against the many deceivers of Antichrist who would attempt to lead us away from the truth. And over the years, I've known many people who've, you know, walk with God for a time, but get seduced by the false teaching of the world. And before you know it, they're not walking with God anymore. And while we do indeed guard ourselves against a lie as a church body by studying the truth, we must also do it as Believers, remember that John wrote this letter to the elect lady, and we talked about whether that was a, an actual woman with a family or a local church. 
We can't say definitively either way. I think it's probably a local church because uh, we're the bride of Christ. But in either case, he's speaking directly and saying, watch yourself, be on guard, look out. As believers, watch yourself, be on guard, look out. Look out for the enemy coming to deceive you. Look out for the things that may draw you away from the truth. And by the way, that which is good is the enemy of that which is best. Because some things that we do may not be ungodly in and of themselves, but we can spend so much time doing it that we don't have enough time for the Lord. Anybody who tells me they're too busy to read their Bible needs to re-examine their priorities. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I don't have time to read my Bible. By the way, did you watch that 62 hours of that thing on Netflix? It was amazing. (laughs) I think I found your time, bro. Amen? How are you holding fast to the truth? You know, there's wolves on the prowl, false teachers and deceivers. As born-again believers, we must not fall for the lie, even if it comes to us disguised as love and tolerance. Let me say that one more time. We must not fall for the lie, even if it comes to us disguised as love and tolerance. I pastored a church in Santa Cruz for 10 years. I grew up there, went to college there, met my wife there. And I tell you people, Santa Cruz means Holy Cross, oddly enough, but it's the tofu tie-dye new age lesbian capital of the United States, okay? It is as left-wing as it gets. And they're all about tolerance. Nine out of 10 churches you go by that have a, you know, the, the, the alphabet flag, Right? And they have, you know, all this other stuff. And we're tolerant. We're open and affirming. Look, we're open to anyone coming, but we will not affirm your sin. And you, I, you should not affirm mine. Can I get an amen to that? We don't affirm it. They affirm homosexual lifestyle. Are we affirming adultery next? What are we affirming? We don't want to affirm it. You know what? We need to be repenting from it. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to love people enough to tell them the truth. Heeding the deception of false teachers causes us to lose ground, to fall back. That's the first thing I said there is don't fall back. Don't fall back spiritually. Don't go back to the old way of life. Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, leaving that which is behind, I press onward to the upper call in Christ Jesus. Amen? We don't want to go back to the old way of life. We don't want to look back at it with, you know, Paul had killed Christians. No doubt he wanted to leave it all behind. Amen? And now he's given his life to the Lord. And it's not who we were, but it's who we are in Christ. And that's what matters. We don't want to lose ground. God had done a great thing through the, great, great things through the elect lady. And John didn't want to see her, whether it's a family or a local church, fall back spiritually by heeding these lies. Paul told Timothy and exhorted him to protect the truth that he'd been given to him. Oh, Timothy, guard what, you have been, what has been entrusted to you. 2 Timothy 1 says, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and in love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to us. What we have is the most valuable thing in the world. Somebody just won $2 billion in the lottery. You know what would have been better if that person got saved if they aren't already? Can I get an amen to that? $2 billion in the lottery means nothing compared to eternity. Amen? Heaven. We're the most blessed of all people. We as individuals and as a church have a legacy that has been handed down to us, a heritage that must be preserved at all costs. Men of God throughout history have preached and taught and defended the gospel, often at great cost, uh, persecution, and even under the point of death. Show me somebody in the Bible used mightily. I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. And yet we don't want to share our faith because we think the neighbor might not want to talk to us. 
And these people were being crucified, being fed to lions. Lord, help us. It's our turn to now proclaim the truth and defend it. He's letting them know, don't fall back, that we may receive a full reward. Now, I know a lot of people say, hey, when it comes to heaven, as long as I'm on the property, I'm good. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) Right? As long as I'm going, I'm good. But the Bible tells us that we should desire these rewards, right? So if the Bible tells us we should desire them, we should desire them. Amen? Because here's the reality. You know, the Bible even talks about some being saved as by fire, like they come into heaven smoking from hell. Amen? They just just slide in the back door, right? And as believers, the last thing we want to do is see how much we can be like the world and still be saved. I want to be holding on to Jesus so tightly that I'm nowhere near the world. Can I get an amen to that? And he's saying, don't fall back. Don't allow this deception to get you to run back to the world and get caught up in the world and spend all your time panicked about what's going on in the world. If you read the Bible, it says in the last days, men will call good evil and evil good. So we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? And we're living in it, which just should give us a sense of urgency to point people to the Lord. We want to receive our full reward. I don't believe we can lose our salvation if we've truly been born again, but I do believe that we can have people, people who have saved souls and wasted lives. Heaven's enough to some people, but we should say, I want everything that God has for me and everything that God wants to do in me. Amen? May we not only run the race, but may we run it to win, to attain the prize, the apostle Paul said. I want to live for the Lord with reckless abandon. May we live lives that impact eternity by holding fast to the truth of God's word. May we not fall back. Amen? May we not fall back. May we not be drawn back to that old sin that used to entangle us, that old life that we used to live. May we, hey, if you're struggling with that, go to Overcomers on Saturday night. Can I get amen to that? We don't want to be drawn back into that thing that, that, that entangled us. We want to let those weights go. We want to pursue the Lord. But not only don't go back, don't go ahead. Don't get in front of the Lord. It says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. The word transgresses there literally means goes ahead. That's where I got it. Somebody who goes ahead of the Lord, goes outside, goes beyond to pass over without touching Here's the balance. While we must never fall back from or deny the truth that God has clearly taught us in his word, so too we must never add to it. Going ahead, Lord, is adding something that the word of God doesn't say, adding to what we teach or what we say that we believe. The word of God and the doctrine, the truth of Christ is sufficient. We are to be faithful to what is written without adding to it. By the way, anybody mastered these 66 books yet? Why do we need any more stuff? Can I get an amen to that? I've been a pastor 34 years. I've been a Christian for 55 years. I want to tell you something. I still feel like I'm about two inches deep in the ocean when it comes to fully grasping the whole counsel of God. Can I get an amen to that? This is enough. This is enough. We don't need to add to it or take away from it. The cults, instead of adhering to what is written, they have created their own writings. They come knock on your door. Here's the latest word from God. It's a magazine. Here you go. God's writing magazines now in Brooklyn, evidently, right? And they've got this new evolving truth, these new things that are always, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. This is the whole counsel of God right here, amen? And we have the Holy Spirit that helps us understand it. 
Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So if someone tells you, I'd have people, this is another thing they love to do. They love to come and tell me. Now, again, God can do this. God can use visions or dreams or words of knowledge, right? But he'll always agree with this, right? I have people come and tell me, yeah, I went up into heaven and God put a scepter on my shoulder. And then he sent me back here to be the pastor of this church. Uh, yeah, when he, when he tells me that, well, I'll, we can talk about that. Can I get an amen to that? God did not put a scepter on your shoulder. Oh, yes, he did. You were smoking crack or something. He did not, do, he did not put a scepter on your shoulder. That did not happen. By the way, no man has seen God at any time. God the Father. If you got in Godfather's presence, you'd be toast. Can I get an amen to that? So people have these things, and they, it's this wild imagination. And again, uh, you know, the Mormons say you know you're saved because you have a burning in your bosom. And as you hear me say it, I get a burning in my bosom when I eat a burrito. That doesn't mean I'm saved, amen? But there's, it's always some emotion-based thing. And again, can God speak through emotion? What's the answer? Yeah. Can God speak through dreams and visions? Of course he can. The Bible says so. But when he does, it'll always agree with this. Amen? And so he's saying, look, be careful. We don't want to get out ahead of him. We don't want to add to the word of God. We want to walk step in step with him. He says, does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. The word abide there means to remain, to continue, to persist. Doctrine of Christ, that the word doctrine there, just it's a big word for truth. The truth of who Christ is. Biblical doctrine is biblical truth. Anyone who does not remain, continue, persist, thinks they've progressed into newer truths, does not have God, has no true knowledge of God. While there is a true progress in the Christian walk, it is a progress that is based on deeper knowledge of the Word and the Lord. Amen? We're not growing in the Lord because we start doing funky things. Those with new truth, extra-biblical claims don't have God their father is the devil. It says there again that he who abides in doctrine of Christ and has both the father and the son. So again, we don't fall back. We don't go forward. We have both the father and the son. Apart from the son, we cannot have the father. By the way, you cannot know the father apart from the son. The Bible says so. Amen. Jehovah's Witnesses reject Jesus and say they only have the father. That's why they're Jehovah's Witnesses, not Jesus's Witnesses. So they believe only in the Father and reject the Son. You can't have the Father apart from the Son. Amen? So don't fall back. Don't go ahead. Abide with Him. Verse 10. Then it says there in verse 10, verse 9, excuse me, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, we just read that, and does not have God, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. So here's that point on the bottom. Don't help those who preach false gospel. So if they do not bring the truth of who God the Father is and God the Son is, then you do not welcome them into your house. It says here not to even greet them. Urson was at my house a while back doing some electrical, and he was out front, and he was talking to these two ladies, and I came walking out of the house, and he says, oh, and that's my pastor right there. And it was two Mormon missionaries that were women. I've never seen that before, young women. And they started trying to explain to me the gospel, 
And I listened a little bit, and I said, well, that's a false gospel. It's a false doctrine. Joseph Smith is a false prophet. He was a, he was a, you know, he was a child molester and, a, and an adulterer, and he died in a gunfight, and I'm not putting my faith on that guy. And he was a fairy tale writer before he wrote the Book of Mormon, so not so much. She said, well, won't you just pray and read the I said, I don't need to read it. I don't read comic books either. I don't need to read it. You know why I don't need to read it? Because I know it's not the truth. Well, just, you know, read it and ask for a burning in your bosom. I said, no, I don't need a burning in my bosom. I already know the truth. If I know the truth, I don't need to read comic books. Can I get an amen to that? I don't need to read false, false stuff. This is the truth. And she said to me at one point, I didn't come here to be preached at. I came here to preach to you. I said, well, you came to the wrong house. <laughs> if some comes to us denying the doctrine of Christ and promoting a false doctrine, he says, give them no hospitality, no financial aid, or platform for their doctrine. To do so is to share in his evil deeds. Our actions toward them should be kind, but we should not cause others to think that we acknowledge or agree with what they are doing. Amen? So we don't want to be mean or hateful. We want to be kind and loving, but we want to let them know the truth and do it in love. Be kind about it, but do it in love. We must never give them a platform to preach the false doctrine. I had some Mormons say, well, if you let us come share your church, We'll let you come share at ours. I said, okay, I go first. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Meet them at the door. Proclaim the truth. Don't let them in. Don't give them any money. Amen? Don't participate in any way in their spreading of a false gospel. I want to see them saved. I want to pray for them. I want to love on them in Jesus' name. And again, I also would never, I, I wouldn't have them pray over a meal in front of me. Because they're praying to the devil. Pastor Dave, what's going on? Is, is, it, is it a doctrine or a truth or is it a lie? What's the answer? Okay, so wh- who are you praying to? Just quickly, I got asked to do this all-county prayer thing in Santa Cruz one time. And uh, the first person who prayed was praying to, the, to creation. Oh, creator of the universe and all the spirits in the trees and that bang was up there again. And I'm sitting there. And the next person started praying some other nonsense. Then I got up and I said, before we, before, I said, by the way, this is going to be the first prayer that we've had of the day because the bus, that, both of that, that was just straight up nonsense right there, both of you. You need to get saved. So now we're going to pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I had no idea we we're going to have witches here. I had no idea, you know. Guys, stop it. Can I get an amen to that? Because there's a crowd of people there, and they were praying with the... Stop it. Love them, stand for the truth, protect the truth. Amen? Love them, stand for the truth, protect the truth. I did say, you know, I said, hey, I love both you ladies, but that was nonsense just then. But here's the reality. Notice he says here in verse 11, it says there, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So the elect lady was to have nothing to do with the promoting of the false teacher's doctrine. It is not kind or good to help promote in any way the false uh, Jesus of the false teachers. That false doctrine is poison, and false teachers have no communion with them. Give them no financial support, but do not uh, persecute or mistreat them. That, that's, God will take care of them. Let's love them in Jesus' name. Let's tell them the truth and pray that God will... You use that to, to plant, to water, right? To grow inside them, that their lives will be changed. That should be our prayer, amen? You know, Lord, but we don't want to be mean and hateful, and we don't want to be self-righteous, but we don't want to give them a platform either. 
Love them, pray for them, but do not support what they're doing. Last point, this is how he closes out, and this is really just him closing out, and we'll see that he says here, the last point is by openly communicating to those we love. He says, having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I've come to you and speak to you face to face that our joy may be full. You know, there's, there's something about writing a letter that isn't anywhere near the same as standing in front of somebody and talking to them face to face. Amen? And when you love somebody, um, you know, FaceTime's a little better, right? I mean, you get to see their face, but it's still not the same as being with them face to face. And see, here John is writing this letter to this beloved church, and what he's telling them in is, just writing this by my hand and sending it to you, that's not the same. I desire to be with you in person. That's a great verse for COVID. Can I get an amen to that? That's not enough. You know, watching t- church on TV is like having one of those uh, TV fires. You know, yeah, they do that. It, it, you can turn the fire on on your TV. Have you seen that? They do it at Christmas morning with Christmas carols playing. Is that the same as the real fire in the fireplace? There's no heat. There's no participation. Can I get an amen to that? It's just not the same. We need to be in fellowship. Amen? He says, or our joy may be full. You know what joy comes from? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we're with other believers, there's a joy that takes place when we come together. One of the guys that I met at the, at the conference, we started talking, and we've already exchanged texts, and he's sending me Bible verses, I'm sending him Bible verses. And he told me, this conference hadn't even started. We were having our first meal, we sat next to each other. And by the time we were done, he goes, you know what? This is the whole reason that I came to this conference is to meet you. He's another believer in Arizona. And, and I'm like, iron sharpening iron. I'm like, this is a God thing. And, that's, and you know what? When you meet other believers, it's such a great joy. Amen? I just love being around other Christians. It's exciting. Holy, blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. Amen? Got Jesus in common. Got everything in common. Then he says, um, the children of your elect sister greet you. So he's talking to an elect lady. This is why I do think it's a church. Your elect sister, I think that's the fellow church where he was at the time. And he's saying the people from this church are greeting the people in your church. Amen? And by the way, all the churches that preach the truth of the gospel, they're not our competition. They're our brothers and sisters. Amen? And we should be just as excited when someone gets saved down the street as when they get saved here because again, it doesn't matter which lifeboat they get, and we just want to get them all to shore. Can I get an amen? We just want to see people come to know Christ. So in closing, standing for the truth and love, we saw the practice of the truth last week, and now the protecting of the truth, first of all, against the deception of false teachers. Again, Satan's a liar. He's going to do everything he can to draw you away from the truth of the gospel. Secondly, by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Christ. Don't be behind him. Don't fall behind. Don't go back to your old way of life. Don't go in front of him and add to the gospel. Don't add to the word of God. Don't do that. And also, by remaining faithful, again, don't help those who preach false doctrine. And then by openly communicating with those that we love. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. We thank you for your word that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. I pray for anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Salvation doesn't come because you join a church or you do good works. Salvation doesn't even come if you just read your Bible. Well, that's a great place to start. True salvation comes when you recognize you're a sinner and you repent. 
Repent means to turn away from the life you're living and surrender your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To confess Jesus Christ, not just as the one who saves you from hell, but you make him Lord of your life. And guys, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. And God brought you here today. And if you've never given your life to the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Again, if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father in heaven. But if you deny him before men, he will deny you before his Father in heaven. And no one's here by chance, all by divine appointment. May today be the day of salvation. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, and you want to openly confess him, you want to repent, surrender your life to him, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are, and I want to pray for you, anybody at all. Don't leave here without him. Lord loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. May today be the day of salvation. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. I thank you for my church family, every one of us that is here. Help us, Lord. We openly confess that there are times when we're in front of you, there's times when we're behind you. Lord, help us to abide in you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to be unashamed of you. Help us to that help a world to see the hope that lies within us. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. We pray and all God's people said.